Hello all, this is Artie Kulik, the host of the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, podcast for SeedSing.com, and two weeks in a row, so it's like the first time in all of 2022 that I am welcomed by not just the greatest other host ever, but the smartest basketball writer in mind on all of the internets, and that's Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I like to think I'm the smartest, but there's many people smarter than me who call themselves quote-unquote experts. I don't ever call myself an expert when I write about this stuff. Well, we're or talk uh, about it. Yeah, that's right. But that's what we're doing. We're talking about basketball. And I want to start this off, Ty, by telling you that basketball is my favorite sport because I like the way they <laughs> dribble up and down the court. I like slam dunks <laughs> and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley hoop. I think I got that I would, right. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to ask if that was your favorite play. Go Curtis Blow. Yeah, Ty, basketball. I think I say this every time we talk about basketball. I need somebody, Curtis Blow, somebody to update the song with players' names that even my son can understand or can, you know. I, I've heard that song hundreds of times, and I couldn't tell you off the top of my head one player he names in that song. I have to imagine Bernard King. Yeah, he I does. He does. Right and I think he talks about magic and Dr. J. And- I used to go to dinner, then take the girl to see Tiny play against Earl Pearl and Will. And Jerry West play basketball at this very best. Basketball has always been my thing. I like Magic Bird and Bernard King. And number 33, my man, Kareem, is the center of my stoning team. So let me start this off. We never talked about the college NCAA tournament. Kansas won the run by St. Peter's to get to what they get to the Elite Eight and then just got curb stomped by North Carolina. It was the exciting tournament. Purdue, once again, disappointing my wife like Purdue does. And there was, in the end, though, I mean, let's be honest, it was Villanova, North Carolina, Duke, and Kansas. That might be the bluest blue blood Final Four I have ever seen. If there was some way they could have, you know, shoehorned Villanova out and put Kentucky in, I think it would have been. Yeah, that would have been the most. Yeah. Or that I was trying to explain to my son that those are probably four of the most iconic programs ever. And the only other two I could come up with were UCLA and Kentucky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially for your son and my son's age, Villanova is relatively new at this. Like, of course, they have that eight seated win over Georgetown and Patrick Ewing was there, but Villanova's really become dynastic over the past decade of college basketball yeah they're kind of i think they've taken over for louisville like when we were younger or something like that because i would have maybe counted them as an iconic program and once again the big 10 do you know the last big 10 team to win the tournament i believe it was michigan state in the late 90s early 2000s (laughs) Yeah. yeah now to be fair michigan has gone to a couple title games i think indiana went to a title game mm-hmm I don't know. I mean, I'm never, ever going to pick Gonzaga again, and I don't know if I can root for the Big Ten anymore, Ty. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's not an excuse or anything. I think the Big Ten teams just beat up on each other so much. That's why when you get to an opening weekend and I see the match, I'm just like, well, it's not because of my dislike for Ohio State, but I thought Loyola Chicago was going to beat them. It didn't happen, but it's just naturally inclined for me to pick that and, like, with Michigan, I had them winning their first game, but then getting – I had Tennessee in the Final Four, so I didn't have them going far. I think the only Big Ten team I truly believed in this year was Purdue. And if they had played that big dude against St. Peter's, I think they might have made the Final Four this year. Yeah, yeah, it was – I watched that game, and it was. It was a bad game. Plus, they had a week worth of time to prepare for St. Peter's. And I know everybody's like, oh, look, maybe St. Peter's was a team of destiny. No, they were not. 
Okay. Look at what Carolina did. So every team should have done what Carolina did right. and just run on them. Constantly. Right. The, I, and I know people are like, oh, it's, is, I think, the fourth time a 15 upset a two. Yeah, it happens. And it usually happens against a team like Kentucky or Duke, who has all these one and dones. And so that doesn't shock me. The second no. round, okay, wow, that's a little shocking. But Purdue, the 12th guy on Purdue's bench would be mm-hmm. a starter on St. Peter. <laughs> Easily. Every team up into Carolina. And again, no knock on St. Peter's. Yeah. Great what they did. I think it's awesome that their coach is back at his alma mater coaching there. I was watching the games with my son. My son's super into basketball. And he says, wow, dad, you know, Carolina's whipping them. I said, because they're just, they have better athletes. Mm-hmm. And they're running up and down the floor. Every team, the three teams prior to that playing them. Oh, we'll just play half court basketball against them because we're taller. I'm like, no, that plays directly into their hands. Carolina used their athleticism and their speed, and we all saw what happened when that. And St. Peter's shots just were not falling like they oh, were in no. the first three games. No, and I know a lot of people will say too, but you know, Carolina's kind of a Cinderella story. They're an eight seed. No. I, I thought they were underseeded to begin with. And it's North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, right. Michigan, that's the other thing. People looking at Michigan, it's like, oh, they upset number six seeded. Colorado State, number yeah. three seeded Tennessee, but it's like, it's Michigan. I don't care what the number, if you're a school like North Carolina, the number next to you, it makes no difference to me. It's it's still North Carolina. And at, at least I'll, I'll start with the thing that made me happiest, and then I'll talk about the actual champion. At least Mike Krzyzewski ended his career on a loss. Yep, at least that, <laughs> at least. Not only that, but he also showed his true colors by throwing that freshman who missed two free yeah, throws. Just crap. totally completely and utterly under the bus saying, oh, if we had made our free, like, nah, dude, you were not prepared again for North Carolina. And they, yeah. they beat them. No, no, that's it. Right. Second time in a month. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, and both times in high pressure situations. Yep. Last game in Cameron indoor and chance to go to the final or chance to go to the championship game. And then Kansas, I guess Kansas, from my understanding, cause I don't follow college as well, but I watched most of the tournament again. They had like a six-year senior on their team. Mm-hmm. I guess their team's pretty experienced. And yeah, it's not a bunch of freshmen. As I say, it's a weird, weird thing. And look, I've because of my affiliation and love of you know Norm Stewart and the University of Missouri basketball, I cannot say I cannot root for Kansas. But part of me is like, you know what? Good that Bill Self won a second title. I mean, mm-hmm. to kind of put him in that it's one more title than Izzo's one. Kind of, That's true. <laughs> and I don't think people put Bill Self in that elite title. And I was trying to explain to my son that he's like, when's the last time Kansas won? I said, I think it was 2008 or something like that. Yeah, Mario Chalmers shouted. I, I go, Memphis. but in that time, I said, Kansas has been a one or two seed probably every single year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they won the Big 12 for like 12 straight yeah. seasons. Yeah. So I guess uh, anything, I know you have a little bit more love for Kansas than me. You know, as a kid, you and our oldest brother, oh, it's Mizzou, Mizzou, Mizzou. So I'm like, I'll be contrary. I'll root for Kansas just, you know, to mess with them. I've always been a Michigan fan. It's all about Michigan. But see, I just think the thing with Bill Self is that he's a better John Calipari. John Calipari is a great recruiter, not a very good X's and O's coaches. I think Bill Self is an excellent recruiter, albeit probably underhanded, but the NCAA doesn't care about that anymore. And he's a better X's and O's coaches. And I think proved that in the tournament this year, because the second half of each game leading all the way up and through the championship, he made excellent halftime adjustments. And I remember watching the first half of the championship game with my son and Carolina was up 15. And I said, if Kansas comes out and blitzes, they could turn this into a game. And Kansas came out and just kept going to the basket, going to the basket, stopped selling for threes. And the lead went from 15 to 12 to eight to six and by you know eight minutes left in the game Kansas was leading and 
the next morning when my son woke up, who won the title game, Dad? And I told him Kansas. He said, did they attack the rim? And I said, they attacked the mm -hmm. rim. So Bill Self knows how to make adjustments where John Calipari doesn't usually know how to make adjustments unless he has Anthony Davis on his team. Well, yeah. Is, <laughs> was Anthony Davis, was that the team that won the title? Yep, they beat Kansas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to save the second half for the good NBA teams. I'm going to finish off this first half with the bad because I was lucky enough to go to Madison Square Garden and see the Knicks and how disappointing they were. And I'm going to tell you, okay, I'm going to tell you the good first. All right. So we spent uh, five days in New York for my son's spring break and, you know, took in a Broadway show and had Italian food in the basement of some skyscraper. I mean, did what you're supposed to do in New York. But the greatest meal I had in the city the whole time was at Madison Square Garden. I went to the Carnegie Deli booth and got me a pastrami sandwich on rye. And nice. I think I have had sexual dreams about that sandwich since then. <laughs> Gross. It was so <laughs> greasy and so big and so damn good. And this is so I had this is my most New York Knicks moment ever. So the guy is making the sandwich and everything, and he's talking about you know, he's bitching about the Knicks, like, you know, mm -hmm. these aren't my Knicks. And I was like, yeah, I go, you know, not really mine either. And he said, well, how old were you when they won the title? And I go, I don't think I was born when they last won the title. He's 70 like, something. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he goes, well, who's your team? I go, I'm the John Starks, the Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley. I'm those Knicks. He's like, oh, hell yeah. He's like, that that series against Houston? I go, seven games, man. And I walked, I sat down to it and I told my wife, I just had the, my most New York Knicks moment ever. <laughs> And then I got to see, I mean, they they played Charlotte. I was able to see the good ball brother, which is rude. I know Lonzo Ball is pretty good. good. He's just hurt. He's hurt. <laughs> yeah. But, and he controlled that game. And it, it was, but the, I remember the fans, you know, sitting around fans there. And I mean, they were pissed at the end of the game because it was a fairly uh, yeah. close game. But, <laughs> and they're all just sitting there, you know, like slamming their programs down going, man, the Knicks suck. So here's my issue, Ty. I don't know if you have any mm -hmm. thought about this. First off, no. I think they played Obi Toppin maybe five minutes of the game. I don't know if he's hurt or what. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> he, he it's, it's Tom Thibodeau. That's what he does. And then, you know, it's not just the Knicks because say the same thing for the Lakers because these were both the, – they never even made the playoff game. What in the hell's wrong with New York and L.A.? So the thing with New York is – and. I bought into this last year because during the 72 game COVID season last season, they won like 40 some odd games and mm -hmm. they seem to have this nice core of replaceable parts, if you will. Julius Randle and Alec Burks and just, just guy Derek Rose, you know, guys that were great or had the chance to be great and didn't really pan out and they came there. And when they picked Obi top and I was stoked because I saw that dude play right before COVID. Um, I saw Dayton play slew here in St. Louis and he was awesome, but yeah, he, he, he barely gets to play at all. And Tom Thibodeau is an okay NBA coach. He's a defensive genius. He's an okay NBA coach, but I think you're getting firsthand view of this now as a fan of the Knicks is like, he doesn't want to play young guys. He wants to play, or he wants to play veterans. That's why you guys have your team. The Knicks have Derrick Rose mm -hmm. and Taj Gibson on their roster and guys who like did no disrespect to them. Their big off season moves were Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. And it's just like who Kemba Fournier's, Walker didn't play Derrick Rose didn't well, play. Yeah. And Evan Fournier is, you know, consistently inconsistent. Kemba Walker had a falling out. Like Tom Thibodeau doesn't trust rookies. And even uh, the Knicks have a great young player in Emmanuel quickly. 
And he was Tom Thibodeau was essentially forced to play him because he just was too good to sit on the bench. But you look at what I mean, and I know it's the end of the season and teams weren't playing their guys, but Ovi Toppy Ovi Toppin had a forty two point game at the end of the season. Like the dude can play. So I think Tom Thibodeau it's a lot like watching Michigan football until the most recent season. The Knicks weren't ready to come into modern basketball. I think they need Tom Thibodeau needs to buy into playing modern basketball and playing a guy like Obi Toppin and playing Emmanuel quickly and maybe sitting Taj Gibson on the bench for longer minutes and not having your offense. Julius Randle's a great offensive player, but not have your offense run through a player like Julius Randle. So I'm not so bummed about the Lakers being bad. Well, I was going to say with the Lakers, did this just, uh, is this the end of LeBron James' general manager career? I sure hope so for Lakers fans' sake. And I, you know, I love that. I'm a Le- LeBron James fan, but I think it's hilarious that he came out and said, oh, I have nothing to do with the front office and what the front office <laughs> wants to do. It's like they, I saw, I also saw another thing where that since he's been there, the four years he's been there, they have won a title. We mm-hmm. cannot take that away from them. No. They won a title. The Anthony Davis trade worked, but they've traded 31 players and like four, four or five first round picks. And what they've gotten in return, Anthony Davis won them a title. Russell Westbrook and six second round picks. That's what they've gotten for all these players. The Lonzo Balls, the Brandon Ingrams, the Josh Hart's, the Contavious Caldwell Popes, the Alex Caruso's, the players they didn't re-sign or the players they traded. And LeBron's going to be 38 this next season. Like he's getting old. I was listening to a podcast earlier today where they were talking about all this young talent. They mentioned Jalen Green and they mentioned Kate Cunningham and, you know, Evan Mobley, guys like that. And you look at that and all these guys are. 19, 20, and 21 years old, and you look at the Lakers Lakers roster and 38-year-old LeBron James, 38-year-old Carmelo Anthony, 35-year-old, they're all older guys. So I just, in this league, you can't win with a roster filled with older guys. You got to have a nice mix. You got to do what Phoenix is doing or what Miami's doing and teams like that. And it's a, it's a bummer when the Knicks and Lakers aren't good, especially for an NBA fan, because they're like, you know, the, them and the, the Celtics are the marquee teams. And when you only have one of those teams in the playoffs, it's, it's a drag that the Knicks and Knicks and Lakers aren't good. So I hope, I hope there's like mass changes coming, but I think, and you, you might want me to watch my words here, but I think the Knicks have an easier path than the Lakers do because the Knicks have more money and more picks and more tradable assets. Yeah, no, I I look at the Knicks this year as a disappointment because of last year and because <laughs> you see the talent that they do have on that team and they seem to be the right mix. And when we talk about the playoffs, talk about the East, the East still doesn't seem like the gauntlet that the West is, especially at the very top of it. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, I'm going to be honest with you, Ty, I don't think they're going to be competitive for at least five or six years. They don't have any picks until like 2027. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it's, uh, if you're a big time player, do you want to go into that, that fire, that dumpster fire to play with LeBron at the end of his career? I mean, I it's gonna, sad for yeah. me to say this, but I think the end of LeBron's career is going to look a hell of a lot like the end of Kobe Bryant's career. Yeah. I just hope he doesn't get injured. And uh, I shouldn't say that because he hasn't injured. I hope he doesn't get tear his ACL or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, I read all this stuff and it's like, okay, well, the Lakers want to get rid of Russell Westbrook and here's some fake trades we can do. We'll trade him to Indiana for Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon. And it's like, do you think Indiana is going to take a $47 million contract from a 35 going on 36 year old Russell? Like, I don't understand why the Lakers think other teams should just help them because they're the Lakers. Yeah. That's the thing that blows the Lakers have this and maybe the Knicks do too, but they're not as outspoken about it but the lakers have this arrogance about him that where them that where, where la 
we'll get whoever in the hell we want when we want them. And they could have had Buddy healed at the draft <laughs> last year, and they didn't do it. They wanted Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, too, about bad teams. Is this the year Damian Lillard finally leaves Portland? Uh, so that's funny because he kind of said him like I thought that if he played this year and Portland made the playoffs as a six, seven, eight seeded team and got bounced in the first round and he did everything he could that he would walk away. And I think I said on this podcast that he was going to sign with the New York Knicks, but I think him sitting out most of this year, I think he's waiting to see what happens this off season. And the Trailblazers were bad. They mm-hmm. were once Nurkic went out and then once Lillard went out and then when they traded CJ McCollum. They were playing dudes that I've never even heard of, and I've been watching NBA basketball for a long, long time. I think he's going to wait to see what they do, and I think they're going to try and do something big, but I think he'll play at least one more year for the Trailblazers. But again, he's another guy who's getting older. As we end this half, let's talk about the play-in tournament and mm-hmm. or play-in games. I don't know what I'm technically supposed to call it. I call it, it the ter- play-in tournament uh, is what I call it. I listened to the Defector podcast, The Distraction. I listened to a couple of other podcasts. Um, there's a newer one. I cannot for the life of me remember the name, but I know Jack O'Brien, who is the guy that founded Cracked. He and another guy do another basketball podcast, and I listened to one of their episodes. They all seem to hate this whole play-in thing. And there what? are this is well, rules. And their argument <laughs> is they hate it because, or Drew McGarry was the one. I think David Ross said he liked it, but They hate it because it's like, you know, you earn your way into the playoffs. That's what you do. You earn your way in. And the team, if a team that is ninth or 10th makes it, they didn't earn their way in. You obviously think differently. Yeah, I think there's rules because it gives, you know, more more incentive to these teams to not sit out guys and not, you know, just jockey for draft position at the end of the year. I mean, you look at the last week of the NBA, and like I said, there were lineups out there, players that I've never heard of before. It was worse than when... COVID was ravaging the league in the middle of the season. They had to sign guys to, you know, 10-day contracts. These were lineups that I had never seen before, never paid attention to. And just Mitch McGarry, I'd like to ask him if he watched the Timberwolves Clippers game the other night because Minnesota really cared and wanted to win. And their fans really cared and wanted them to win. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it in the second half, but I'm nervous about Memphis' first-round matchup with Minnesota. But it's clear to those people who are starving for something like that, that this is important to them. And the same thing would be said for the Clippers. No Kawhi Leonard all year. Paul George misses over 50 games, yet they still have a shot to make it in the playoffs. And the Spurs, who had no intention, just started winning games and they ended up in the play. And the Pelicans started the year 3-16 and in there in the play. And I think it's rad that Charlotte got to go to Atlanta and play Atlanta in the 9-10 matchup. And God, I don't even know who was 7-8 and in the East. Oh, the, the Nets. The Nets and the Cavs. Like, the Cavs haven't been important since LeBron no. left and look look at them now and I'm sure their fans are stoked for the game that we're recording this a day early so the the 9-10 to, to, to see who gets the 8 seed the 8-9 games are all going to be played on Friday night like I'm sure people at Quicken Loans are stoked to go to that game on Friday night so I disagree I think this is great I love this idea I cannot wait until it becomes a permanent fixture I think the whole Oh, you just take the top eight teams from each conference. Like, no way. I, I would love to see. And I think it's going to happen. I think Atlanta's going to find a way to get in. I think they'll beat Cleveland and get in. I, I I can't wait to see that matchup against Miami. And I can't wait to see if it's the, the Clippers or the Pelicans who have to face the vaunted Phoenix Suns in the first round. But I, this is great. It makes end of the year NBA basketball worth watching, worthwhile. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's well worth it. I mean, I can go back to... 
who uh, it was one of the years in the 90s when the Sonics were the number one seed and they lost to the eight seeded Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I'll the, never ever forget that because yeah, yeah, I was a Sonics McCumber. fan, right? Yeah. Right, <laughs> and it was you know, it was a big deal because I think the first time like an eight had beat mm-hmm. a, a one or something like that. And that's back when it was also, was, yeah, yeah, five, years. yeah, five need to do that for the first round, five years, yeah, right. It should absolutely go back to that. I think they changed it because I think the Lakers were a one seed and maybe lost or came close to losing, so they changed it to seven the next year. You know, Shocking. Yeah. But for but the team, so in the East, it's Brooklyn, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Charlotte. And then in the West was Minnesota, LA, New Orleans, and San Antonio. You're right. These are, I mean, Minnesota, I was, I, I have not followed Minnesota as a basketball team in years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anthony I, Edwards is the truth, man. That kid is awesome. Well, and not only, I think the last time I really paid attention was Minnesota was when Flip Saunders passed away. And the team's kind of been, they've been trading people. They've been picking high in the draft. And you know what? It's working for them. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, getting there. It's, well, um, like I said, we'll talk more in the second half. But you see some of these teams like Memphis, like Phoenix, who have drafted really well and then found some veterans to put in to bring these teams. You know, Or, I mean, in the case of Minnesota, I actually think if I was Memphis, I would be knocking on Lillard's door like mad and saying, you need to come here. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> run them to break up what they have going run, on run a team out there with like four or five guards i mean philadelphia phillies are hitting eight designated hitters right now they can't feel it so (laughs) we'll talk about it more in the second half but i would not do anything to spoil what memphis has going on right now and then brooklyn were was their record are they that low in there because Kyrie couldn't play in well it was that is that was that the issue that's one of the issues kevin durant missed a ton of games because when kevin durant's out there i think their record I was listening to Zach Lowe talk about it. I think their record with Kevin Durant playing is like 32 and 18. So, but he missed a good chunk of games in the middle of the year. And then you had all the James Harden stuff that was mm-hmm. going on. Really, once you get past those three guys, especially now that Harden's gone, they got just a lot of parts. Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn doesn't play defense and they have two incredibly gifted scorers and athletes on their team. But other than that, you're looking at guys like, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and Bruce Brown again all decent players but not not at the level of some of these other teams that are the top three seeds in each of the conferences in my opinion well they do still have Kevin Durant we'll leave it there and talk about the actual basketball that matters in the second half sounds good Hello all, this is RD, and I want to take a minute here just to talk to you about how you can support this great podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, all the work we do on SeedSing.com, and especially all the hard work that Ty does bringing you the sports knowledge and the pop culture knowledge that you just so deeply want, and how you can support me bringing you all the political knowledge that you definitely do not want. We have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and look up the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. And for just five bucks a month, guys, you are going to continue to be able to give you all this great content, give you the things that we are also craving that we know we need. And then in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Patreon-only podcast called the Ex-Millennial Man Political Report, where we're going to go through kind of more of a deep dive on my personal thoughts and other people's thoughts on what's going on politically around our country. That way we can keep the Ex-Millennial Man man as your place where you're going to go to find out all the most important things. Guys, we created this tie and I did because me being from Generation X and he being a millennial, 
honestly, I was tired of hearing about Citizen Kane's the greatest movie ever. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. But we kind of got tired of, wait, nothing since Citizen Kane can be better. I mean, come on. Back to the Future is way better. To some of us, Fast and the Furious movies are way better. This is a place where we can talk about that stuff. And where you're going to get that, again, not opinion, true fact of what is the greatest ever when it comes to music, sports, politics, all that stuff, is SeedSing.com and the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. So come on over to Patreon. Five bucks a month is all it is. And hey, if there's something more you need from that, come hit us up. Tell us. You need t-shirts? We can give you t-shirts. You need handshakes? Maybe we can give you that. But come on over to Patreon, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, and I'm going to get you back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, it's uh, the playoffs start. So we're going to drop this on Saturday, the 16th. Is that the day the playoffs start? Okay, that's right. We're we're actually recording this a couple days early, so we don't have definitively who the number eight seed is in each Mm. of the leagues. But, I mean, Brooklyn's a seven. I guess we'll say they could win. But let's start there. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. But the first thing I want to say about the Eastern Conference, if you take the teams that definitively made the playoffs, one through six, so Miami Heat at the top, Chicago Bulls in the number six spot. There's a seven-game difference between them. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the, in the West, you take Phoenix as the number one and Denver the number six. There is a 16-game difference. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Phoenix and Memphis, there is an eight-game difference. So there's mm-hmm. a bigger gap between the one yeah. and two than in the West than there is in the East. So Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto, Chicago, Brooklyn, can and one of those teams are not going to make the finals. So the two seven matchup in the East are two teams I loathe. I cannot stand the Celtics. I cannot stand the Nets. I am so glad though that Brooklyn has to play the Celtics and not the East. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So these are two teams where it's like. Well, maybe I want Boston to win because I do like Jason Tatum and he's from St. Louis. But then you have Jalen Brown and Al Horford who are anti-vax. And it's like, I don't know about that. Then you look at Brooklyn. It's like, oh, man, I love Kevin Durant. When he was with the Thunder, he was my favorite player. But you have a guy like Kyrie Irving who and I didn't even know he was Muslim or whatever until they interviewed him after the game. And he said he was fasting for Ramadan. Yeah. And kept saying how God is going to help him play. The-. And I was just like, Kyrie Irving is... How did I put it to my son the other day when he's asking about it? He's a blowhard who's really good at basketball, and I just wish he would never, ever, ever talk. Mm-hmm. I don't want – and this was going back to when he played his one season at Duke, his 11 games there. I've never liked this dude. It's not a new thing for me. I've never been a fan of his. So I don't know which of these teams to pick, and a comparison for me is like this would be if Ohio State and Notre Dame were playing each other in the college football playoff. And it's like, can both teams lose? Because I don't mm-hmm. want either of them to win. But with that matchup, I think – Brooklyn, you know, they've already had to play these extra games and they're just not nearly as deep. And Boston's been on a tear as of late. So I do do think the Celtics are going to win that series. But man, it would not upset me to see Brooklyn win it. But really, when I kind of look at stuff and break it down, my son's a big Bulls fan. I love to see them win, but they're playing the Bucks, and the Bucks are fully healthy and they've rested guys and they are the defending champs. And I really like Miami. I like, I've always liked that team, which I feel like this is a yearly thing, but let's give Eric Spolster credit for being a pretty damn good coach. (laughs) When Greg Popovich (laughs) retires, whenever that may be, I think he's going to end up being the greatest coach in basketball at the time of it. But no, and like whoever the heat play, be it the Hawks or the Cavs, I think it's going to be the Hawks personally. I think they're going to easily beat that team. And I think the Bucks are easily get through 
through Chicago. And I do think the Celtics won a hard fought series against the Nets. But I, you know, I'm really looking a lot at this four, five, Sixers, Raptors matchup. And mainly because the Sixers' second best defender isn't fully vaccinated and he can't play in Toronto. Mm-hmm. He's only gotten one shot, which is crazy to me. And I even watched an interview with him where he said, Oh, I come from a very holistic family. So we don't see that you come from a holistic family, but you got one dose of the vaccine. Why didn't you just get the second dose of the vaccine? So you're taking this defender out who Toronto again, it's Toronto is a lot like Miami. They don't have a star player, but they have really good guys and they have another really good coach in Nick nurse who knows how to work with these parts. So I think that series will be the best series in all of round one, maybe all the Eastern playoffs. But honestly, Looking at everything, I think the Bucks are going to come out of the East again. I just don't know why I would bet against that team, especially after seeing Giannis play live like I did last month when I went up to Memphis with my wife and our, her cousin. I just don't see a team beating this team in the Eastern Conference. Again, the Celtics are good and they're playing with their heads on fire right now, but they don't have anybody who can guard Giannis. And Drew Holiday will make it a mission to shut down Jason Tatum. I don't think be it Philadelphia or Toronto gets by. I don't think they can beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. I think the toughest team that they'll face up with is Miami, but Miami doesn't have that. I love Bam Adebayo. He can't guard Giannis. I love Jimmy Butler. Drew Holiday can shut him down. So I, I, I don't understand why the Bucks aren't easily the odds-on favorite to come out of the East. No, I would, in my generalized watching, everybody else kind of has said the same thing. You know, some people are pushing Brooklyn. Some people are pushing uh, Philadelphia, but I think everybody... Boston, too. I've seen a lot of yeah. people talk about Boston. Yeah, but that's a lot of the sports, especially basketball media, are a bunch of Boston yeah. lovers anyways. But no, I, I agree with you on Milwaukee. So let's get to where things are a little bit more interesting. Now, I've heard some people, and I feel this way personally, that Phoenix is going to just steamroll everyone in their way. They are on a mission. They got close last year, and now that's it. They're they're taking their nobody's going to touch them. But when I look at the West here, which again you have Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, and Denver are in your top six. I think it's great what the Timberwolves did. I really, really do. They're mm-hmm. not getting past Memphis. I hope not. <laughs> I don't. I know you might be worried, but that's fandom talking. <laughs> and the uh, Clippers or Pelicans or whoever is, is Phoenix is going to sweep them. Sweep them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I see that. I guess where my question is, you know, Denver, Utah, and Dallas. I just they, I, I don't, I, I don't feel it with them. I don't. I mean, look, I all, all love to Jason Kidd for getting Dallas mm-hmm. to where they are. I mean, I did not 52 expect two wins this year. But Golden State and Phoenix, and then Memphis. I mean, tell me, tell me, convince me that Phoenix is not going to make the finals. I would really like to convince you of that. And- <laughs> I'll go through it like 2-7. Obviously, I have a rooting interest. And I do think Memphis will win that series, mainly because they do have healthy players. But it's not going to be easy. I mean, I talked about Anthony Edwards, and that's going to be tough. And Jaron Jackson's going to have to really, really work to guard Carl Anthony Towns. And Patrick Beverly's going to be all over John Morant. I mean, especially and John Morant came back from injury, and he looked good. So that was a good sign. But I do think Memphis has more depth and they, you know, people talked about, I believe even Shaq picked Minnesota to beat Memphis because Minnesota's young and they don't care. Well, Shaq, that's exactly <laughs> what Memphis is, except Memphis has 55 wins. Yeah. I mean, ESPN just did a huge, huge story on them a couple of weeks ago about how they're young, brash, they talk 
smack to other teams. They don't care. They're the ones who really kind of point made the world see that the Lakers weren't as good as everybody kind of, including myself, thought they'd be this year. So I do think Memphis wins that series. I just think it'll be tough. You know, I look at the 3-6 matchup and if Jamal Murray were healthy, this would be a lot more fun. And I don't know the status of Steph Curry, but I, I'm so sick of hearing about how great Nikola Jokic is from every <laughs> single white basketball reporter there is in the world. Yeah, these are the same guys that dismissed Russell Westbrook's MVP year. Yeah, because they all said they weren't a high enough seed and they didn't have enough wins. Russell Westbrook's team that year had 48 wins. Denver has 40 or had 45 wins. Denver has 43, and they are the exact same seat. So I don't get why yeah. Nikola Jokic gets a pad, but it's because all sports writers are white, nerdy dudes. Like well, you and, and it rhymes with bracist. Exactly, <laughs> which I'll get to in the 4-5 matchup. But Jokic is not good enough to stop what the Warriors have. And I will say... And I, I know it wasn't against good competition, but seeing Clay put up 41 in the final game of the year against the Pelicans of the regular season was like, okay, maybe Clay Thompson is 70% of what he was before. And Draymond Green looks better, and they'll get Steph Curry back at some point. So I do think the Warriors will win that series. The 4 5 matchup actually pits the team I had coming out of the West at the start of the year, Utah, against Dallas. And I talked about all the white writers who love Nikola Jokic. They're going to be finding it hard to hide their erections when Luka Doncic finally wins the first round series. <laughs> you know, everybody talks about it. He's the greatest player in the league. And I've seen people putting, first of all, to put him ahead of John Moran on All-NBA is nuts. It's, and it's going to happen because everybody who votes for that are these stupid, racist, white journalists who are just begging for their white savior, their next Larry Bird. So I'm sick of hearing all that stuff, but it's going to happen. And the, the Mavericks are going to win this series because Utah is Utah's done. Like this whole core has yeah. proven they can't do it. And clearly there's some tension. There's some stuff going on between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And I think they're going to break it up. And this is just going to give all those sports writers, the Bill Simmons and the Zach Lowe's and the Rick Buchers and all the white dudes who they're going to be pardon my life, screaming in their jeans because <laughs> Luka Doncic is finally going to win a first-round series. Now, keep in mind, DeAndre Ayton, who was drafted ahead of him, has been to the finals. Trey Young, who was drafted after him and traded for him, has been to the Eastern Conference Finals. So they both have been much further than the guy that everybody says is the second coming of Michael Jordan. But I do think the the Mavericks will win, but that's when it all stops there. And Memphis is going to go up again. That, that put Memphis against Golden State in round two. And as much as I'd love, love, love to see Memphis beat Golden State, I just don't think it's going to happen, especially if Golden State is healthy. And that pits the beloved Luka Doncic against the machine that is Phoenix. And I don't see Phoenix losing a game in that series. Mm-hmm. They're too good. And then regardless, be it Memphis or Golden State, I don't think Phoenix is going to lose a game in that series. <laughs> Phoenix is a machine. They're not the 96 Bulls, but they might be the damn closest thing to them since then. They are a machine. Devin Booker... Again, another guy that should be talked about way more than Luka Doncic Mm -hmm. is incredible. Chris Paul, this is all he does. DeAndre Ayton, for being a number one pick, the dude is bought into his role and he's great at it. Mikhail Bridges is one of the best defenders and three-point shooters in the league. This is a team that you throw any number of guys out there, they play their system and Monty Williams has one hell of a system. So I, as much as I don't want to see it, I think it's going to be a rematch of last year's finals, and I don't see a way around it. I just I think they're the two best teams in the league. No, I want to see it, though, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this Phoenix team, and I've watched a couple of their games. I've got a good friend in the Phoenix area. You know, everybody's 
juiced up for him because it's a really good team. I mean, like you just said, like 64 games (laughs) loaded top to bottom. And they're, you know, they're playing Memphis to me reminds me a lot of Golden State like 10 years ago. Like when they were coached by Mark Jackson. Yes. When they were just on the edge, and that's what they I do. Real quick, I do think Taylor Jenkins is a better coach than Mark Jackson. Okay, okay, <laughs> but they're, you know, it's that team that you can see. Okay, something's coming. I just think Phoenix is just too damn good right now, and yeah. I want to see the best team go up against the best player. Totally agree, and that's what happened last year, and mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, so let's let's look at that. I I personally think, like I said, I don't know if Phoenix is going to lose a game in these playoffs. Sure. Do you think Milwaukee's going to repeat? <laughs> no, I don't. Because for a couple of reasons, it's super hard to do it. Mm-hmm. These two teams know each other real well, and I think Phoenix understands that if we let now Game Six was otherworldly. I mean, Giannis yeah. last year with the fifty points, but. Chris Middleton, I think, had like 24 and hit every big shot. I think if Phoenix says, Giannis, get 50 every night against us, we're going to make these other four guys beat us. And I think that's what they'll do. And I think they have the ability to do it. And with Phoenix, you can throw DeAndre Aiden at Giannis for a while. Even though he's skinnier, you can throw Mikael Bridges at him for a while. You can take JaVale McGee off the bench, and he can just hack away. I know Giannis is a much better free throw shooter than he was last year, but you get hit that many times, it hurts. Like, I mean, I never played. I never played anything past high school basketball, but I played in the low block, and I got hit by just high school kids, and that hurt enough. So, I can't imagine what it feels like with a guy like Javale McGee coming down and hacking you while you're trying to shoot it. But really, Drew Holiday is an excellent, excellent, excellent defender, but he can't guard both Chris Paul and Devin Booker, or Cam Johnson, or Campaign, or Mikhail Bridges. He can only guard one of those guys. And Chris Middleton, while he's an okay defender, he's not that good. Grayson Allen is a punk, and I <laughs> wish he were out of the league, and he can't guard anybody. Pat Connaughton is still coming back from injury. Brooke Lopez is still coming back from injury. Phoenix is whole. Phoenix is healthy. Chris Paul, you know, knock on woods for, the, for their fans, he's had his injury. He missed mm-hmm. time, and they still won without him. Devin Booker missed time to COVID. Like, this team is full. And I think he, I'm a big believer – it happened with the Pistons, and it happened with the Bulls, and it happened with other teams. I'm a big believer. It happened with the Bucks a couple of years ago. You got to lose important games to win big games, yeah. and I think that's what happened to Phoenix. Phoenix lost last year when they had a lead, and I think they're gonna. They won't sweep Milwaukee, but I think they'll win in like five or six games. I think they'll win the finals in five or six games. No, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite as exciting, but it's uh... <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But Giannis will not let that Bucks team get swept. I will yeah. say that. Yeah, they'll pick up one or two in Milwaukee. So. Easily, yeah. <laughs> or they'll win the first one, and then Phoenix will win the next four. Yeah, win four <laughs> I do hope because it was so rad last year, especially with like vaccines becoming available and people being able to to gather again. It was so rad seeing Milwaukee win at home. So I do hope for Phoenix case if they do win it, they get to win it in their arena. Yeah, I believe it's called like Walking Stick Resort yeah. Arena. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I, again, I know a lot of people, like I said, I have a good friend in Phoenix and we talk about, you know, how St. Louis is a baseball town. I think I always tell people Cincinnati is a UC Bearcats basketball town, but hundred percent. I think everybody I know around Phoenix is, yeah, they have the football team and yeah, they have the, uh, they have a hockey, they have all four sports, but the basketball team is what they like. And I mean, come on, they got to do it for the immortal Tom Chambers. 
No, Charles Barkley, dude. Come on, man. My second favorite player of all time behind John Kim. I got a weird list of favorite. We need to do a podcast about favorite basketball no. players because mine is off the wall. Dude. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. I think if I started my list, I'd be like players that all like hate each other now. But <laughs> Sure, <laughs> which is most of them. Okay, last thing here. We all know who's going to win the MVP, but if you had a vote, who are you voting for? I don't understand how in a world Joel Embiid is not the favorite. I keep seeing these things, and he's third on these lists. Behind Giannis is great, but he's third behind Nikola Jokic. And then I see people have Luka Doncic is fourth and close close with Joel. He led the league in scoring this year. He kept that team afloat when Ben Simmons was being a selfish crybaby. I do not understand what Joel Embiid has to do to win the NBA. I mean, he's done everything this year. I know, I know. It's insane. <laughs> but yeah, that's who I would vote for if I had a vote is Joel Embiid. All right. Well, when the NBA writers need to contact you to get that vote, uh, where are they going to find you? <laughs> Please do. I got a lot of questions <laughs> for these guys. They can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. If they need credentials, come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I got lots of basketball and sports, but I do all the pop culture writing on there. So there's any number of things you can want to read about it that are on there. You can hear me on a few episodes of Chucklehead Chat, wherever you find podcasts. That's hosted by a buddy of mine. But most importantly, you can hear me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out our Patreon. I love doing these podcasts because I do love basketball. Get vaccinated, please. Uh, help out with Ukraine. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we repeat all that stuff, seed saying ex-millennial man, and uh, just do your damn duty, people. I mean, that's where we are. It was yeah, There was a lot of people who are like, oh, New York's so locked down because of COVID and things like that. And it actually wasn't that bad. Now, we had to have proof of vaccination to get into the garden. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'm good with that. Yeah. And then we went Absolutely. to Broadway Play, same thing. But I sat in, in MSG with 20,000 pissed off Knicks fans <laughs> and we all knew we were vaccinated. <laughs> it is a much better experience at the FedEx forum with 20,000 happy Memphis Christmas. Yes. Fans. Yes, yeah, I bet. I bet. If I don't weren't vac- If people weren't vaccinated there, they had to wear a mask. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, I, again, we all do what we want. We can sit there and complain about our teams because it's been a while. It ha- honestly yeah. has been. It's, uh, it was two years and it was, Glorious to be inside yeah. the arena again watching yeah. basketball. So just just do your responsible thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, and then my eyeballs are on fire because, like we were talking, it's been in both of our areas rainy and now sunny, which means the pollen and everything is igniting. But uh, yeah. so I went for a run today out by a lake, and the dogwood trees were blooming so bad that. I looked like I was crying when I got done. My eyes were so watery. (laughs) Well, if I ever go running again, I'll just be crying in general. (laughs) Yeah, totally. All right. Well, that's it. I'll talk with you next time, Ty. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.